Hello, and thank you for joining us on the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Sermons podcast. I'm Pastor John Witham. This week's sermon is Lament, and it's the third in our Harvest of Righteousness series. The sermon text is Matthew 9, 18 through 26. Supplemental readings are Psalm 22, 1 through 2, and 19 through 28, and Habakkuk 1, 1 through 4, 2, 1 through 4, and 18 through 20. In this sermon, we'll find out what is lament. How do we lament as Christians? Can lament be a response to God? Our worship services take place every Sunday morning in our building at 819 John Adams Street, the corner of 9th and John Adams Streets in Oregon City, Oregon. We also live stream to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash onebaptistchurch. For more information about who we are or what's going on in our church, visit our website, onebaptistchurch.org. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And now here is our sermon, Lament. There are few social experiences we have on a semi-regular basis than sitting down in a restaurant and getting to the table and waiting for one or two more people. And as the person that people are usually waiting on, I don't usually experience this. Groucho Marx once said, punctuality is great, but there's no one around to appreciate it. And <laughs> but we've, we've all been there where we've, we've gotten to the restaurant, and we may be varying degrees of hungry from uh, just kind of peckish to hangry, um, which is where you are hungry and you are angry because you are hungry. And that is what uh, being hangry is. And uh, I have never experienced hangriness by anybody that I am married to. And so, um, anyway, there is the wait. You're there. The menus are there, the, the server comes around, you've been offered food. Oh, no thanks, we're, we're waiting for somebody. Oh, well, can I get you something to drink? Oh, well, maybe I'll have a, maybe I'll have a glass of water or a soda or something. Okay, well, and, and they come by and refill it, and time goes by and you're waiting. And you know there will be a meal. You are ready for the meal. You just don't know when the meal is going to happen because you don't know when your other guests are going to arrive. When we take this scenario and move it into a different perspective, change some of the details, it helps us to understand what's going on with the kingdom of God right now. Jesus showed up. He showed up proclaiming the kingdom of God is near. Repent. And okay, we see how Jesus brings about the kingdom of God. We see what the kingdom of God is, looks like. Those who are sick are healed. Those who are dead are brought back to life. Evil is defeated and driven out. Healing and wholeness are brought around. Jesus told stories about what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like a woman who, who lost a coin and she spent all day sweeping out her house to find that coin and rejoiced when she found it. The kingdom of God is like a man who, who found a treasure in a field 
and he hid the treasure and he went back and he sold all he had so that he could go by that field. Well, then Jesus was crucified. He was he drew all of the dark power of the world, all of the rebellion, all of the brokenness, all of the hate, the violence of the world onto himself on the cross, was crucified and murdered, put in a tomb. And on the third day, he was raised by God back to life, thus putting a defeat to sin, evil and darkness and conquering death. So that we don't we who are who submit to this death and resurrection of Jesus no longer have reason to fear death. And so the kingdom of God is now the scripture for next week sneak preview is what we call the Great Commission, where Jesus says all authority has been given unto me on in heaven and on earth. So there is nowhere where Jesus isn't Lord, not here. Not there, not anywhere. Jesus is Lord everywhere. But you say that to somebody, and they might say, well, if Jesus is Lord, he's kind of doing a crap job of leading, isn't he? Because look around, and there are some things that are just not quite right in our world. And, and I can list them off, but I... I They are there. They are present. And what do we do with that? How do we deal with this? Furthermore, how do we deal with this when it doesn't seem like Jesus is in control of us? There are things that happen to us that seem to contradict the idea that Jesus is in control. I can say that, that Jesus has defeated death but yet I have known lots of people who have died in my life. I can say that Jesus has defeated the dark powers of this world, but yet when a celebrity tweets an anti-Semitic comment, Jewish people in synagogues in our country get death threats and hate mail and, and threatening men walk past their front doors with weapons of evil intent. I can say that the kingdom of God cures all sickness, but yet I I know a handful of people who are are battling cancer. And we have to realize then that the kingdom of God is now, but that we are waiting for something else. Because Jesus ascended to the right hand of God the Father and promised his return. And that when he returned, all things would be set right. Justice would happen upon the earth. Those who are sick would be healed. All of these things would come in their fullness. And once and for all, death would be locked up, cast away, forgotten about forevermore. But what do we do in this tension? What do we do with this this waiting because we're at the restaurant, there, there is food, but we are waiting for something yet to come. And this is where we have to accept that sometimes a few 
seemingly opposite things can all be true at the same time. A few, a few years ago, or a year and a half ago or so, uh, Katie and I were, were in marriage counseling. It's, it's something that we do as a preventative measure, like taking your car for an oil change, rather than waiting for the whole bloody engine to, to burn up. And so, so we were talking to our marriage therapist, and I was using a lot of but conversation. This, 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 but this, that, that, that. And the therapist said, why don't you try and? Why don't you try and instead of but? And that's when I kind of got into this idea that some of these things can be true at the same time. We live in the tension of knowing that Jesus is Lord, but that the kingdom of God has not come in its fullness. Both of these things are true. We live in the tension of knowing that our world is made good and that in the, in the midst of all of the brokenness, that our world has still been created to be good and that there is music and that there is art and there are tacos and there are trees and, lots, and, and people and love and lots of things that are good in our world. But yet our world is broken. We can hold that intention with the fact that there are signs of life and healing in our world. There are, sign, there are reasons for great hope. And if we believe that the kingdom of God is now, then we look for and make room for places where the kingdom is coming and where this healing is breaking in. And yet we can also be very aware of how much brokenness still remains. And so when we hold these things in tension, we need something to fill the space in between. And what can fill the space is cynicism, that nothing's ever gonna get better, this place is just going to hell in a handbasket, And when, when we allow cynicism, we start to look for false hope. This world is going to hell in the handbasket, and so I can't wait for Jesus to take us away from all this, to take us home. Well, this is our home, and Jesus intends to return here and renew and restore and resurrect this that he has created good. We can resort to skepticism, and say, sod all of it, I'm not interested, and walk away. Or we can embrace the idea of lament. It seems a funny thing to talk about responding to God with lament, but bear with me, because if we respond to God through lament, we are acknowledging this tension that we are living in. Pastor Rich Velotis, uh, somebody I, I uh, found a few years ago through a friend, and, and uh, he's got two books out, and they're exceptional, uh, once, once wrote, Lamenting is the spiritually mature response to sadness and sorrow. Our spiritual aliveness is not found in our ability to repress sadness, but in our ability to bring it to God.
when we embrace the idea of lament, it is not just being gloomy. It's not just being sad. It is a holy recognition that there has been work done, but there is much yet to go. It is acknowledging not the absence of God, but crying out for more of the presence of God. Lament brings before Jesus the sadness and grief over the brokenness of our present age. Now, some of you may be thinking right now, what about rejoice always? Because there's this great passage in, uh, in uh, Philippians chapter 4 that, where Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. There's a passage in Thessalonians where Paul says to give thanks at all times and to pray without ceasing. And sometimes in the past when I have talked about lament to people, I've been told that uh, one time I was spectacularly told that I have a winter theology, that I'm, I'm only focused on gloom and that, that I don't have a theology for, implying that I don't have a theology for the other three seasons, but just winter. And yeah, I'm kind of keen on winter. I don't like sweating that much. But at the same time, I don't think embracing the idea of lament means that you're just a sad sack of potatoes. Embracing the idea of lament is a spiritually healthy and responsible thing to do. And if I have a winter theology for lamenting, then Jesus has a winter theology too. Because John eleven thirty five 35 is the cop-out for everyone who has had to memorize, been told to memorize scripture in Sunday school, because everybody can remember Jesus wept. And that means something. Because if Jesus, of all people, wept at the tomb of the man that he knew he was about to raise from the dead, then we have space to weep too. And, and if Jesus took time to go away, not very well, Jesus never, never got away for very long, um, but if Jesus took time to go away after his cousin John the Baptist had been beheaded, then we have taught the, the excuse, the reason, the permission to take this time as well. And if Jesus can cry out in his dying moments from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That gives us the opportunity to do this too. Lament is where hope and grief collide. Take our passage from today, Matthew chapter 9, 18 through 26. And we, we, we see this, this is not just in Matthew, we see this in Mark and we also see this in Luke. And we know from the other places where this story appears that the leader of the synagogue's name is Jairus. And Jairus shows up and he needs Jesus urgently because his daughter is dying. But he says, Jesus, you can heal her. There is grief. My daughter is dying. There's panic. 
If you've, if you've ever loved someone or cared about someone, whether it's a, a spouse, a friend, a child, you hear that panic in Jairus' voice. It's the panic of, we've just called the ambulance and they're taking him to the hospital. It's that, it's that space between they were in a car accident and they're fine, or, and they're going to the hospital. We know this feeling that Jairus has. But he knows who Jesus is, and he knows that Jesus can do something about this. And Jesus, always having his heart turned towards the sick, the poor, the immigrant, and the imprisoned, Jesus goes with Jairus to heal this dying girl. And yet, on the way, unbeknownst to Jesus, I mean probably beknownst to Jesus, but unbeknownst to Jairus, here's a woman. And this woman has been suffering for 12 years. And it just so happens that this little girl is 12 years old. This woman has been suffering, and she undoubtedly has been crying out to God. Because as long as she has this condition where she's bleeding, she can't go to worship. She can't go to the temple. She can't be among people because she could risk making them unclean. And so she's been crying out to God so that she can go back to her family. She can go back to her community. And yet she also sees hope in Jesus. When we see the hope in Jesus, even in our grief, this is where we have room for lament. This is where we have room to cry out to God and say, God, why is this happening? And it doesn't have to be anything as as life-altering and consequential as as cancer or, or death or, or anything else, it can be, my God, why do I have to deal with this pain every day? Why do I have to deal with this particular grief every day? We see Jesus go with Jairus, but he stops to heal this woman. And can you imagine what's going through Jairus' head? He just wants to get home. He wants to get home so Jesus can get this done. And he's got to be going, come on, come on, Jesus, let's go. Let's do this. Let's get after it. Pitter-patter, chop-chop. And haven't we felt that way? Haven't you ever felt like, come on, God, chip-chop-chip, let's get this rig rolling. We got to go. I need healed. My spouse needs healed. My friend needs healed. Sometimes we have to wait. And that's when we lament. Lament is where we ask the big questions of God. I always choose the other scriptures 
for the morning carefully, but I chose them this morning especially carefully. Because go back to the Psalm 22 passage. Go back to the Habakkuk passage. In both of these passages, big questions get asked of God. And sometimes we think, oh, if I, if I ask those questions of God, if I'm that honest with God, it'll show that I have a lack of faith. Nonsense. In fact, when we ask those questions, when we present these big laments before God, it shows that we have the faith to bear our deepest, most difficult emotions to the throne of God himself. Think about the audacity that takes for us as humans to, bring, to, to go to the throne of the creator of the universe and shout at God for a little while because we're annoyed, we're angry, we're hurt, we're dying. But we have this capacity, we have this permission through Jesus Christ our Lord and only through Jesus Christ our Lord. Read the Psalms. David, a man after God's own heart, has some pretty choice words for God sometimes. And God still uses the line of David to bring about his salvation into the world. Our lament may not be answered quickly and easily. It may not be answered at all. There are people who have prayed to God for for healing and hope for decades of their lives. And they pass from this present age without seeing what they hoped for. And that's challenging. That's challenging to our faith. It's difficult to our faith. And it gives us further reason to keep trusting God. The woman had been praying for 12 years and Jesus shows up one one day on his way to raise somebody from the dead. And in one day, Jesus raises two people from the dead. He raises the woman from the death that we, we suffer by by being isolated from our people by sickness or by by pain or by by these things that hold us back. And he raised the girl from actual death and rescued her family and their friends in the process. We don't know how long this is going to take, just like Jairus didn't know how long Jesus was going to stop and take with the woman. We have the permission to cry out to God. And one of the reasons that we need the church is for people to hold us up and hold us in care while we are lamenting. We need stable followers of Jesus in our lives together who, built on the the firm foundation of Christ, can give us a safe space to cry out to God. We shouldn't be surprised to know that lament 
is an acceptable response to the work of God. Because whenever we see God move, whenever we see God acting, we rejoice. We rejoice in in what God has done. But we also know how much there is left to do. And so don't be discouraged by your grief. Don't be alone in your loneliness. Don't feel as if your faith is less because you're willing to be honest about your sadness. Because when we lament, we are heard by the heart of God that is turned to the broken. And we are calling God to fulfill God's promises to bind up the brokenhearted and to mend this broken world that we live in. We do this in faith, knowing that God can. And we cry out in lament, waiting for God to do.